Hello, hello, welcome back to the Harvard Hoops podcast. This is episode 72. I'm your host, Liam Horsley, and as always, I'm joined by my favourite co-host in the world, Mr. Ben Jones, Mr. Cavaliers. How are we doing? Oh, what an introduction that is. I'm very, very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, actually. I decided not to stay up for the Western Conference games, uh, but I did stay up for the East. So last night, I actually got a good night's sleep for once. So I'm feeling refreshed uh, rather than my usual half-tired after my NBA nights. So I feel good. does make a difference, doesn't it? A nice a full night's sleep. It does, yeah. The uh, Western games are, are bad. I did see um, Bleacher Report do a funny funny thing on their Instagram actually where they said European NBA fans be like and it was a video of a guy going to bed at like 11 like normal and he's putting his alarm on for like 5 to 4 4 minutes to 4, 3 minutes to 4 just so he could get off a tip off and I was like yeah that I can literally relate to the, to those Feel the pain. yeah that's the, that's Euro basketball for, for you there but but we live we live, who, who cares, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going uh, right, podcast time then so in terms of today's podcast we are going to recap the East and West playing games so far, probably very quickly. We'll probably wrap those up quite quick, unfortunately, because we're short on time. Then we're going to preview the final games for the playing tournament, uh, the East and the West games, because that will lead us on to knowing who we think our eight seeds are going to be. Obviously, we're going to preview the every single playoff game as well, uh, every single series, sorry. But unfortunately, the 1v8s aren't official, so we're going to have to do a little bit of guesswork, uh, kind of predict a whole series, uh, and then maybe I'll also ask for our opinions in case the other team wins, just just to give a quick 30 seconds on those, but we'll see. And then we'll get into the 2-7, the 3-6, and the 4-5s, which we already know who they are, so that those ones will be easier. And as always, Ben, we're going to kick things off with the Eastern Conference because they play first, first in the alphabet, first in our hearts, maybe, uh, and the worst. So <laughs> Makes sense. It makes sense. Right. So, first playing game. Uh, unfortunately, it did not start very well, <laughs> the playing tournament. So, we had the Pacers versus the Hornets. It was 144 to 117. The Pacers winning over the Hornets. So, the Hornets are officially out. For me, the Pacers were absolutely incredible. Um, offensively, they were really, really, really good. Defensively, the Hornets, though, were... Well, they were just dreadful, to be honest. It's one of the worst... Not regular season because it can be a bit different. But in terms of like a post-season environment, it's one of the worst performances I've ever seen defensively. Uh, they didn't show a lot of heart, a lot of rebounds. There's so many, you know those baskets, Ben, where the ball's out of bounds and there's just one cut from a, from an inbounds play. Someone's getting the ball and they're laying it in. That was happening time and time and time again. So yeah. for me, I think the Hornets were kind of overwhelmed. They got themselves on a bad run and it kind of just skyrocketed from there. And I think the Pacers were just immense to be honest a lot better than we thought um even though they missed miles turner and Karis levert they're both out since the time we recorded our preview they still won so they made us look better than maybe our predictions were uh, <laughs> but what were your thoughts on the game did you see it as i did that the hornets were just just not their night unfortunately they they didn't turn up defensively that hole they got themselves into in the first quarter they went 40 points to 24 in the first quarter and i think wow. that was that was the end of it the, the pacers went on to win the next two quarters as well, 29 to 21, 39 to 33. Um, Charlotte had a little bit of fight in the fourth, 39 to 36. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they were just outclassed offensively by by the Pacers. They ran some good sets. They were big inside. And like you said, it just looked like Charlotte didn't want it defensively. We know how good they can be offensively, and we knew the defence was going to be a slight worry. We mentioned it um, we mentioned Biombo whether he was going to get any minutes or, or not. I think he got like, I think it was about 15 
he started, didn't he, as well? Started as well, yeah. So, uh, we, uh, I hate to say it, but we kind of got it. Bang. Yeah, we did. We got it bang on, and the paces were were worse than we thought. I did see a couple of tweets saying, what do people expect the Hornets are missing their best player? But for me, the paces are missing their second best player and probably their fourth or fifth best player. Yeah. Uh, And I don't think it was to do with that. I think Hayward would have made a difference on the offensive end, but. Pacers were hitting a lot of shots, to be honest, and the Hornets' D was just... It didn't matter if Hayward was playing that game. The Hornets' D was, was just terrible. So that meant the Pacers advanced to tonight's game, actually, from when we were recording, uh, and they will be playing the Boston Celtics. Uh, I was correct on this one, uh, giving Ben the L, as I like to remind him. So the Celtics won 118 to, to 100. Uh, Bradley Beal did play in the end, something we were kind of concerned about, and he did relatively okay, but... The explosion is not there. He said in his press conference today, actually, before tonight's uh, tonight's matchup, he said that I feel fine, but the explosion, I can't be as explosive as I want to, was, was the word. Uh, and that was on defense and offense. And I think you did see that. And then Westbrook also has come out and said he had a few nicks and bruises because he was playing quite badly. I'm not quite sure what that means because uh, he does play through injuries. So maybe there's something more we're not knowing. But they were, they were both not very good, to be honest. Kemba was better than I thought he was going to be. He defended a lot better. Uh, but the main two reasons, in my opinion, this game was one was A, Jason Tatum knocking a 50 in. I think that was the 31st player ever, Ben, in a postseason game to knock in a 50-point game. So he's in like good company there. Uh, and the other factor for me, which I want to get your views on first, is Scott Brooks, uh, the Wizards coaching staff. Why is he starting Raul Neto for the first time? Why is Raul Neto guarding Jason Tatum? Why is Alex Len playing more nearly as many minutes as, uh, as Robin Lopez? Uh, and why are they switching everything onto Tatum when you could just let Westbrook guard him? And Westbrook's what similar size, ish. Yeah. Uh, I didn't understand that. I thought the rotations were weird. Um, I didn't think that the coach did very well at all, and the stars didn't help. It's strange because I always think of Scott Brooks as being an intelligent coach. Like he he's been he was great when he was with the Thunder. Obviously, couldn't get them quite over that hill towards the end. But yeah, generally. He was quite intelligent with the way he played his players, the matchups he kind of created and and wanted from his team. That was just so dumb. It's so dumb, especially when you found some form with the set rotation and, and guys are playing well for you. And then you just switch it up on a very super important game, especially against a Boston Celtics team that has been struggling of late which yeah. I spoke about on our last episode. Every time I seem to think they're going to do something great, they just absolutely stuff it up mm-hmm. um and it, it did take 50 points from jason tatum you know he said 18 points in it if Je- if jason tatum goes for like i don't know what his point average is at the moment 25 perhaps then you know washington take take the win um so and i think tatum's gonna have to do a lot more of that in the games to come it's his team to carry through at this point in time he was assisted heavily, though. Like you said, Kemba Walker had a really, really good game. Offensively, his shots were falling. Um, he looked really sort of fluid um, and seemed to play well. Everybody was, was clicking. Tristan Thompson contributing with 12 rebounds. We said he he will have to start sort of stepping up. Like I said, two seasons ago, he was a premier centre, and now he's a bit of a Back waste up. of space. Yeah, so 12 points as well, though, because if you look past Tatum and Walker... There's not a lot of points. That's how many points Tatum scored of their. Well, they only scored 118, so he scored like what 40 odd, 42 percent of their total point share. 
Yeah. And without Thompson's 12 points as well, things could have got ugly. So he was important for that game, but it was a bit of a worry that no one else really did a lot. I know Robert Williams went off, didn't he, with a foot injury again, which is a bit of a worry for the Celtics playing 14 minutes. But I just think Tatum was, was definitely the difference. We'll probably talk about Tatum quite a lot in our, in our previews shortly. Um, but yeah, Scotty Brooks yeah. just strained. So around Neto and Len started, two players who don't normally start, two who have been injured. They only played 12 minutes and 17 minutes respectively, but they were terrible. I think Len was minus 15 on his plus minus. Around Neto was minus nine. My note says minus nine. I think that might be wrong, but it's minus eight or minus nine, something along those lines. Uh, and the other problem, Ben, was Davis Bertans, uh, the $80 million man, played 33 wow. minutes. He got one rebound and <laughs> scored four points. And um, what summed his night up was there was a spell when he, well, he was trying to drive on someone, barely got touched. He flopped, no foul whatsoever, but he's down injured. The Wizards, rather than call a timeout, they just let him play, <laughs> play with him on the floor holding his face. They carried on playing. They hit a three and they played a defensive possession with him down as well. They were like, look, you're doing nothing for us on your feet. So it doesn't matter if you're off your feet. Um, that just summed up Davis Bertans' night. He was just, he he, he was terrible. Uh, without Ish Smith coming off the bench, this worst would have been. Uh, sorry, this w- loss would have been worse. He scored 17 points in 26 minutes, which I thought was impressive. But apart from him, really, I know obviously being in Westbrook got some points, but not very efficiently at all. I just think it was a, it was a bad night for the Wizards, and they need to improve dramatically for for tonight's game. Yeah, definitely poor shooting. I think was the sort of be all and end all of it. Apart from Ish Smith, who was 75% from uh, his field goal percentage um, and that's, contributing quite well. That's very but good. But Bertans, <laughs> not from seven three-pointers, uh, one from eight total field goal percentage. Uh, Bradley Beal, one from six in his three-pointers. Yeah, uh, the, only, the only three he hit was the three when Bertans was on the floor holding his face as well, funny enough. That was the only three he hit all night, so... Maybe it was all Bertans. Obviously, Westbrook, not from four from three. Um, yeah. 33% field goal percentage overall. Like, there's improvements there that you, that they can do. They can sort out their rotation again and hit some shots, and they will potentially be still looking like a playoff potential team. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, before we move on to the West End, we will preview the East quickly. Unfortunately, like I said, we want to do all the playoff uh, series as well for round one. So these predictions for the play-in tournament is going to be a little bit kind of smaller, but we have accidentally already previewed these games So because uh, I, I was actually obviously right with this one. So tonight, that means we do have uh, the Wizards versus the Pacers, 1 a.m. tip-off, so not as bad as the Western Conference games for us. Uh, Pacers surprised me, to be honest, in that first game, um, but I obviously originally did pick this matchup exactly so. I'll just stick to what I said in the first pod. I think Westbrook will have a poor game against the Celtics, which he did. But I think he'll have a good game against the Pacers. I think he could be the difference. I'm very, very worried about Sabonis, especially if Brooks is going to play Alex Len. Like, I'm terrified of my prediction <laughs> with Alex Len on the floor. Like, I hate that. And they need to play Lopez 30 minutes for this game. Uh, but we'll see what he does. Hopefully he realises the error of his ways, Scott Brooks. But I'll stick to my original prediction. I think Wizards win. I think Wizards win because of a 30-point, a 20-rebound sort of night from Westbrook. Um, and we'll just see how Beal does health-wise. We're not, we're not sure, but we'll just see how that goes. But I'll stick with my Wizards prediction. But you didn't predict this game, so why don't we just hear your thoughts quickly and who you think is going to win? Yeah, I, I think the Wizards shooting improves. I think Berton's 
stays on his feet and hits A3 <laughs> at least. Um, I, same as you, Sabonis is such a, a weapon out there for the Pacers, in a good way, uh, that he's just so tricky to guard, and I don't, don't know how versatile the Wizards are going to be in terms of guarding him, but I feel like they've got enough everywhere else to sneak out quite a close win in this one. So I'm going to go with you and the Wiz take that eighth spot. Cool. Yeah, I think it will be a close one regardless. And let's just say the first matchups have now got me more worried. It wouldn't shock me if the Pacers win tonight at all. Before I was very confident. Now it's more of a 60-40 game to me, but I'm going to lean still with the Wizards. Uh, that will make our 1-8 prediction a lot easier, the fact we predicted the same, <laughs> the same winner. Yep. Uh, let's move on to the West quickly then. Uh, so we'll start with Grizzly Spurs. This game also, I think the Spurs were down 18 uh, early on, and it was kind of leading to three blowouts in a row for the play-in tournament, which is not great for the, for the NBA. But fair play to the Spurs. They clawed it back, I think, in the third quarter. Uh, fourth quarter as well, they outscored the Grizzlies just about, but unfortunately the, the kind of deficit was a little bit too much. The Grizzlies won 196, Spurs are out. Uh, fair play to Spurs, second half they were very, very good, but they just left themselves too much to do. John Morant was aggressive, still not good at all really, shooting from outside, but he was aggressive. And your man, Jonas Valanciunas, star of the game, like hell of a performance from him. So in terms of his numbers... Big, big. 23 rebounds, 23 points. I love the symmetry there. One assist, which I want to know what that assist was. That's got to be popping it off after a, for, for a three from a rebound, you think. Uh, but just a hell of a performance from him in 38 minutes. Uh, played, what, third most minutes on the team. And I know Jar did well, but scored inefficiently. Brooks kind of had another night where he shot relatively well and got 24, but it was all about Jonas on both ends, defensively especially. He was just excellent. So tell us about Jonas Van Tunis and the Grizzlies. Um, it's the it's the beard. It's the lovely finely tuned beard that does it. <laughs> He's just a beast. We said the we looked at the Spurs roster. We said there's no one on this that's going to match up. They've got Gorgie Deng down as a centre at six foot ten. No chance against Big Valentunis. Um, uh, and he showed it. It did not help. Demar Derozan had one of the worst shooting performances I think I've ever seen him have since maybe playing LeBron in any. Eastern Conference game you can think of. DeRozan <laughs> was awful. Yeah, especially from two as well, which is unlike him. Yeah. His shooting early on was, was just diabolical. He, he ended up 5 of 21 from the field, uh, wow. which is so unlike him. And that is the reason they were 38-19 down in that first quarter. Um, when he starts hitting the shots and starts sort of moving uh, the ball rather than trying for those shots and really forcing them that's when they started getting into the game Rudy Gay stepped up had a really nice game 20 points there um, Patty Mills hit uh, three big threes for his nine points it's, it's only nine points but the threes were huge they were the ones uh, that they sort of used to start clawing their way back into the game but yeah you, you hit the nail on the head first quarter just too deep a hole for the Spurs to climb out of which is a shame but the uh, the Grizz played really well, so good yeah. on them. Yeah, they deserved it. And after last year's playing tournament, it's nice for them to get a win in, in such a big game. Um, so, yeah, fair play to them. Uh, disappointing for the Spurs, but they're the, they're the wrong type of team to be falling down. They're not a high offense sort of octane, a high octane offense team, are they? So it's just not not good for them. Uh, and that led us on to the second game, the game that saved the playing tournament, even though. 
I like it and I think it'll stay for, for a number of years anyway. A lot of people were kind of, the, the standard Twitter conversations were coming out, weren't they, about the games not being great. But Lakers-Warriors was the game of the year. It's the best game I've watched, to be honest, all season. It's not the best high-scoring game, but in terms of the back and forth, you know, the moments, the, the players, the drama, the defense was incredible, like really, really good. So Lakers won 103, yeah, 103 to, to 100. Uh, this game finished, by the way, at five with all the stoppages at five past six UK time. So a fair play if you stayed up, stayed up for that one. Uh, I watched it this morning uh, and I was very excited for most of it. But unfortunately, Ben, my boys lost uh, my prediction. You won that one. You said the Lakers would win. I went the Warriors. But what, what an advert for the playing tournament and how great was it to see two of the best players that we've seen live in terms of our age group uh, playing yes. against each other in, in a big in a one off game, which doesn't happen very often. No, incredible. Um, it lived up to everyone's expectations. However, it kind of was the reverse of our prediction. We said if it's a close game, we think Golden State are pulling this out with a, a last-minute three from Steph. And the complete opposite occurs. Close yeah. game, deep, surprising three from LeBron to clutch it. Yeah, and, and, the, the, fir- left. and the first half was opposite of what we thought. We thought... The, the Lakers are the team more like to come out on top and the Warriors would have to kind of claw back from Steph, whereas the Warriors were 14 points up going into the third quarter. So the whole thing was a little bit a little bit role reversal to what we thought. But overall, the game was just as good as we imagined, I think. Yeah, it was great. Steph still got his, as we said he would. 37, 7 and 3, 52% from the field. Yeah. And Andrew Wiggins had a really nice game, 21 points. He was good. Uh, some play some really good basketball. Jordan Poole as well, 10 points, getting in those double digits. It was a, a more kind of more contributors from the Golden State Warriors than I thought. Draymond did basically what I expected. Nine rebounds, eight assists, two points. But he's not there to score anymore. He's there to assist and to rebound and to be a defender, essentially. Um, and the Lakers, although looking rusty, uh, LeBron certainly first half was real rusty, um, but finished seven from seventeen, so shook it off. And obviously a massive hand to the face from Draymond at one point going up for a layup uh, didn't quite help. But uh, yeah, and Anthony Davis looking good still, twenty five and twelve. Um, as we predicted, Drummond didn't last very long. Drummond uh, is 16 terrible. Sixteen minutes, yep. <laughs> Drummond was terrible. Oh my God! I could, I, but what surprised I, me is Harold only. Yeah, only nine minutes. Um, I thought he might get some more play in this game, matching up against um, like a, your, your Draymonds and stuff. Um, Warriors and, went. Warriors went quite small, I think. But yeah, I, I don't think they trust uh, Montrez's defense, mate. Honestly, I think they want to be a defensive team. I think he's so bad defensively. Um, that they just go with the ones they trust. They go with the Schroeders, they go with the Popes, they go with Caruso, they go with Matthews, just because they can trust their defence. I think Montrez and Horton Tucker, defensively, they're, they're a bit more liabilities, I think. And, you know, LeBron and Vogel don't like that, I don't think. Yeah, you, you could be spot on there. We do, if you look back to talking about the Clippers last season, we we did say Montrez Harrell is instant offence off the bench, but his defence lets him down. Yeah. Um I was impressed as well. We've got to give him a little bit of love with Kuzma's unselfishness. Uh, six, six rebounds, four assists. He like he did lots of little nice highlights in this game. So I'm just going to give give him a little little bit of love there. 
But um, yeah, what a game! Hell of a game. Yeah, I'll give uh, Caruso a bit of love. Um, player that I don't really like, but I think he's perfect to guard quick guards who run a lot. <laughs> and Steph Curry runs a lot, <laughs> so yeah. fair fair play to him. Um, and yeah, in terms of the Warriors, Steph is just unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, Draymond Green, man. The defensive, I shared on my Twitter for anyone who wants to see, uh, at Liam Horsley24, and the defensive level of play is just unbelievable. Like CJ McCollum tweeted, like, he's the best defender to live since I've lived, basically. Uh, like, the num- what he did to Anthony Davis in the first half was absolutely crazy. So shout out to him, and definitely shout out to Wiggins. Uh, it looked like he had something to prove maybe against LeBron, um, and he just went out there and was just himself, and I thought he did quite well. So that was good. I just think maybe Steve Kerr made a bit of an error uh, taking Looney out so much in the fourth quarter, and he kept playing the the, the more guard heavy lineup with Poole and Mulder. Uh, but I think they should have gone to Looney, so Draymond could have tried to guard LeBron, you know, rather than having LeBron just by like swing past all of the the small forwards on the team. I think yeah. that was an error, but it's such a high level, high kind of IQ game of basketball that you're four, you're three and a half quarters in, and every coach is going to make a mistake, just like Vogel did in the first quarter, leaving. Uh, leaving um, Drummond out there so long in the first was one of the reasons why the lead got so heavy. Uh, but then yeah. second half, he kind of learned from his ways. But unfortunately for Steve Kerr, he kind of made the error late on in the fourth. And you know what fourth quarter's like in the NBA. It just goes by so fast and it's just a different game, isn't it? So, yeah, shout out to the Lakers. Um, I think they were like 12 points favourites. 12 point favourites going into this. Obviously only one by three. Uh, but yeah, we won't talk too much about the incident with the eye because I hate LeBron James and I have very strong words and we're running over time slightly already. But <laughs> it was a good game. As we often, uh, as we often do, yeah, true. Uh, so that means the Warriors then now have to play the Grizzlies for, for the eighth seed. Uh, kind of a rematch, Ben, of what we saw last weekend almost. I think it's even a week to the day, isn't it, after they last played? So yeah. um, that'll be on Friday evening, uh, 2 a.m., so a later tip, but at the weekend, so, so not as bad for, for European basketball fans. I think the Grizzlies will be really, really up for this, to be honest. I think they'll have a lot to prove from last year's playing games. I think they'll have a lot to prove from the other game against the Warriors that kind of sewn up the eight seed for the Warriors. I think the Grizzlies will be kind of angry with that. And it would not shock me if the Grizzlies came out quite fast. Uh, but you already predicted this game would happen, so I'm just going to do a quick rerun of who you said would win and why. Um... I went with Golden State Warriors because I think they are seasoned and professional and, and ready for this these big moments. Like we know what Steph's like. I think the grid will take them right, right down to the line, though, and will fight the whole way. The only thing that may change from this is Steph going to the bench a couple of times in this Lakers game looked pretty kind of exhausted at points. Um, so I hope he's still got a bit more gas in the tank before he gets a couple of days break, before he gets into a playoff series. Uh, but I, overall, I think the Warriors are taking this. Yeah, uh, obviously I had Lakes in this matchup, so but everyone won't be surprised to hear that. I, I'll agree with you, I think the Warriors will win. Uh, I think it would be closer, actually, than what I thought initially it would be. If you'd have asked me originally, I would have thought this game was a kind of 5-12 to 12 point range. Uh, leaning towards the more points but I just do think that they will have to be a little bit more careful with how they manage Dre and Steph's minutes and they might basically just be like right as long as we're not losing going into the fourth then we can kind of play them heavy minutes I think the second and third quarters we'll see them sit down a bit more against a weaker opponent uh, because they couldn't do that against the Lakers but I'll go the same as well with the Warriors 
which means in the West and East we have the same 1-8 matchups, which will make the uh, the previews much easier. So that's good work by us. Unplanned as well. Smooth. Uh, but yeah, fair play. If the two games tonight and tomorrow night are nearly as good as the Lakers-Warriors uh, game, then the playing tournament would be a huge success. And I know everyone's been talking about it all over the UK Twitter, haven't they? So fair play to the NBA. Uh, two more games to go, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So it's good. Cool. All right, playoff preview then. So plan with this is, uh, so we don't overrun, we have got a plan. We are going to do six minutes for every single series. There are eight series, so eight times six. Anyone at home doing maths leads you to 48. There are 48 minutes in a basketball game, Ben. So I've done well. We're just working this maths out. I'm quite proud of myself for that. Yeah, that's good work. Thanks. Uh, shout out, Miss Roster. Uh, get us through <laughs> <maths> school. <laughs> yeah, shout out. She will definitely not be listening to this podcast, but fair <laughs> play. Uh, as always, we'll start with the East then. Um, we are going to go from kind of one and eight matchup first and then go back into the ones that we think are a bit more maybe even. So let's start off with 76ers, in our case, versus the Wizards. Uh, we will do a mini kind of question to see if you think it'll be the same result if the Wizards don't win, just so we've got that on record. But uh, start us off then, mate. What do you think are the key kind of matchups for this? Uh, and when we hear the buzzer go, we have to both give our prediction, uh, no matter where we are in our analysis. So you start. Uh, it's MB, doesn't it? He's yeah. the X factor in this series, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, we said the Wizards might struggle with Sabon, who has got nothing on MB in terms <laughs> of size and weight and power. Yeah. Um, they're really going to struggle there, the Wizards. They need to find what, some a way of combating that. And the other weapon the 76 has got is the best defensive guard in the league in Ben Simmons, if you want to call him a guard. Um, so he's going to easily kind of slow down Westbrook or Beal at points. Um, so it's putting the Wizards on the back foot already. Uh, I can see them struggling a bit. Um, Harris can step up and guard Bertans quite nicely. I think that's quite a good matchup there. Um, yeah, it's just, it's not looking bright for the Wizards early on. Where are you looking in terms of X factors in this series? Yeah, I definitely think Embiid is the key one, um, which I just completely agree with everything you said in terms of the season series. Seventy uh, sixers have won every matchup, which doesn't wouldn't surprise you. And they've scored one hundred and forty one, one hundred and twenty seven, and one hundred and thirteen. So the offense does not struggle. And Embiid himself has scored over twenty five points in every single one as well. So Embiid has got kind of history doing well against the Wizards. And I, I agree with you that I don't think that that will probably change. And my only kind of other question will be: Yes, Embiid's going to get his points, but can we kind of outscore him as a if I'm a Wizards fan? I'm thinking: Can we outscore him with two players, so Westbrook and Beal? So I'm just concerned. Are they truly healthy? Um, Beal, we know, isn't. But we'll have a, maybe a couple of days off. Westbrook, it seems like he might be healthy, might not be healthy. We don't really know. So I think for me, those two are key because they need to match the scoring output of Embiid together um, and then kind of hope that the other role players can keep up with the likes of uh, Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons and, and Tyball as well. But... Yeah, I, I do agree that Embiid's the, the key one. What, what are your opinions? Would you think that Robin Lopez is the best person to go at or would you have the opinion that you would rotate and play as many centres as you could uh, just to bang low, just to try and get fouls, just to not have anyone foul out and kind of just give him a hard night with loads of different looks or would you just try and play Robin Lopez on him as much as humanly possible? Uh, I think you maybe start with the Robin Lopez route and then 
if that isn't that his knowledge and experience isn't working, then you go for the rotation and just make his life difficult. Um, the 76ers are kind of lucky insofar as they can, if they get a nice lead, they can rest Embiid, bringing in Dwight Howard, who, you know, has embraced his role player role and is looking half decent of late. The games where Embiid decent numbers, a couple of double-doubles here and there as well. And even if he was a starting centre, I would maybe even favour him over Robin Lopez to an extent. And the rest, certainly the rest of the Wizards' uh, centre options. Um, so, I mean, even if they are giving Embiid a hard night, or even if Embiid gets into foul troubles, do I, I feel like they've got numbers to slot in there. The other side of it is what the 76ers have been able to do is keep that defensive output this year, as well as bringing some shooting. Although Danny Green hasn't been as great of late, he's still a good defender, but they've got Seth Curry now as well. So the Wizards have got so much to deal with here. Not only have they got to deal with these huge centres and this defensive monster, but they've got some shooting to get out on now as well. Um, It is really going to rely on Beal and Westbrook being healthy and the rest of their team, the rest of their role players, doing absolutely everything perfectly. They can't afford to have Bertans go not from seven from three yep. at all. They have to be perfect. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that offensively as well, they're so good at guarding the perimeter. I think that there's going to have to be times where Westbrook just barrels in and gets his head down and tries to draw fouls on Embiid because the one way to stop Embiid is to get him off the floor. We know he can have those those kind of spells where he, where he gets into foul trouble early, loses a bit of concentration, maybe gets over-aggressive because he's missed so many minutes in the first half due to foul trouble. That can be a kind of point that they capitalise on. Um, and I think Westbrook's the man to do that. I think he, he's not a very efficient scorer. He's not a good outside shooter at all, but he's very athletic, very good against the rim, good at drawing fouls if the refs call them. And we know what the playoffs are like. That they're going to call some, not going to call others. So I think that could be a key factor, trying to get Embiid into trouble uh, on the fa- in terms of fouls. And I think Beal, Beal needs to be as good as he can defensively and just hit those open shots. I don't need him kind of using his hamstring all the time driving, but we'll leave that to Westbrook and, and just hope that Beal's more efficient than he was shooting the, than the other night, I think. Um, but yeah, shout out to, to Curry as well. So Seth Curry, he'll be crazy important because the Wizards give up a lot of open shots. So he's going to get a, a lot of open threes. But uh, we're ahead of schedule, 45 seconds in. But why, why not give a prediction if, you, if you're ready to do so? Uh, who's yeah. going gonna to win this series? Uh, and also, we're kind of going to go with scores as well. So in how many games is it going to go, do you think? Uh, easy one for me, 76ers. Sweep in four. Nice. I had a bit of a problem with these because I, I normally pick loads of sweeps and I did not pick any or many sweeps without any spoilers. And this one's no different. I've gone 4-1 to 76 because I think Westbrook wins them a game. Um, and I think a lot of people would, would be going 4-0, 4-1 there. But I'll go 4-1. I think Westbrook does enough to, to win one. Nice. Cool. I can right. see it, but I'm not convinced. That's all. Yeah, this is the game. Uh, these first two games we're most likely to talk about are the ones I've got the the highest chance of us sweeping. But I think Westbrook and Tatum are, are, are very good. But that leads us on to the next game then, second versus... Uh, oh, by the way, if that's the Pacers, does that change at all? Just just so we've got it on record. You, you, you'd you go over sweep as well? Uh, I, absolutely. I would, yeah. 
Yeah, I'd go with a sweep. I would go 4-0 if it was the Pacers instead of 4-1. Uh, cool. Well, let's move on. Restart the timer. So we've got the Nets versus the Celtics in the next matchup. I think the Celtics may have been better off trying to lose, to be honest, and playing 76ers because I think the Nets match up horribly uh, for the Celtics. And I guess Kyrie Irving, Ben, is going to be the story. The whole issues in Boston, the the kind of mini seance he did <laughs> when he came back with the, uh, the salt thing, uh, the media, the players... The, the other side of the media that also hates the Boston players when they because every time Kyrie scores 40 on them and they win, uh, they all go up and they give him hugs, they dap him up, and that it's constant drama between Kyrie and the Boston media. Do you think Kyrie's going to be the story of the series? Yeah, he's going to be the initial headline for sure. Um, and it, I get it, he wasn't what they wanted there. He left in a bit of a sour note after things he did and said. And he, he's not been good in the media over the past couple of years, that is for sure. However, yeah. this season, he has been incredible. He is... Uh, he's in the... 40... Was he this season, was it? Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, which is so, so good. Um for somebody who, you know, feels like he needs to be the soul and the personality and the leader on a team, for him to step back and say, you know what, I just want to be a scorer. If somebody's willing to be a passer, let's do that. And I think that's how we're going to work best. And he's fitting so well with this Nets team. It's, it's been fantastic. And they are going to cause the Celtics some issues. Um Equally, Tatum could do the same on the other end, depending on how they choose to match up, whether they go big or small. But it's, again, like the Wizards versus the 76ers, it's looking very bleak for the, <laughs> for the, uh, for the Celtics here. Very bleak. What yeah. about you? Yeah, I agree. So, right, funny enough, just like you said, uh, it's 3 0 for the season series to the Nets, exactly the same as the 76ers with the Wizards. So, both series, to be honest, are looking very similar in terms of how outmatched the team is. I think if Jalen Brown was there, it'd be different um, for sure in terms of more offensive output. And Jalen Brown's a very, very good defender. Jalen Brown would basically be the one that has to guard probably Harden for the whole time. Uh, and now, without him, you're like, who, my question was who's going to guard? Kyrie and Harden. I think Smart's going to guard one of them, but who's going to guard the other? And whoever he doesn't guard, I think is going to be crucial. And I probably think he guards Harden, to be honest. And I think that's why Kyrie, he'll be the story of the season at the series before it starts. And I actually think during he'll be the story because I think he's going to be in the best position to, to go off in some of these games. Uh, and he always, always plays Boston well since he's left. It's just one of those things. You know what sport's like? It's just like written in the stars almost. Um so I'd be worried about that. I think Durant will probably guard Tatum, would you say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Just to use his length, just to kind of shut him down and close him down, stop those drives, turn him into a bit more of a shooter. Yeah, completely agree. My, my other problem is I just think who else is going to score for the Celtics? I think Kemba will get some points because I think Kyrie's not the best defensively. Yeah. Who else? Who else can you see doing it? You think they just need ten points from three or four players rather than, for example, the Nets? They could have a thirty-point Joe Harris night. Whereas, 
I don't think the Celtics have got anyone that's going to give them that, apart from maybe Fournier, but he's been disappointing as well. So do you think they're going to rely on like four or five role players to get 10 each and then hope that Tatum goes off? Yeah, they're going to hope for one random night from Smart where he scores a stupid yeah. amount of three for, for some random reason. Uh, they they could put Smart on, they're going to put Smart on Kyrie or, or possibly Harden just to, I don't know, yeah, make it their life difficult for a bit. That's the problem here. Even if they do put in an incredible performance defensively, do they then have enough to go down the other end and match offensively? It's difficult to say. Like you said, Fournier has not been... He's been better as of late, but not been the player we all thought he could be for the Celtics there. And they are just... They're really going to miss Jalen Brown. If Jalen Brown had been in, you could see this being a better matchup for sure, um, more even across the two teams, but ultimately still slightly one-sided, um, especially the way the Nets have been playing of late uh, compared to, to Boston in terms of wins and form. It yeah. just doesn't compare really to where either of the teams are. Um, yeah seems very unfair on on Boston at this point in time, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. The form is definitely a factor. And I do think that even the way that Blake Griffin's playing, I think he could have some joy playing against any of those centres if uh, if Robert Williams is out, because I just think that I just think he's too savvy on the offensive end in terms of his pick and roll actions. And I just think that the Celtics haven't really got much to, to keep up with a player like that, unfortunately. So I think overall they're all they're, they're kind of mismatched. Uh, in terms of the betting odds as well, which we're going to mention, to win the series, uh, the Nets are... Well, as you can imagine, Ben, the Nets are heavy, heavy favourites. <laughs> no yeah, I think so. Let's get it open here. In terms of the series, they are 1-20 to 20 on. So you have to put £20 on to win one back. And the Boston Celtics are 8-1. to one. So that does tell you where the, the market, market is at. Um in terms of our opinions then, Ben, the timer is about to go. Let's listen to it. Here we go. Beautiful. That means prediction time. I'll kick us off. I've actually gone with 4-1 again. Similar to, like I said, with Westbrook, I think Tatum is so good. And I think Tatum is also on form, like in terms of just himself. The last three weeks of the season, he was immense. Obviously, just coming off a 50-point night. So I think that the Nets will win 4-1. Tatum will win one game when maybe Harden or, or Kyrie are having an off-night shooting. Uh, but over, overall, I think that Kyrie and, and Durant just go off on, on, the, on the Celtics and, and they win 4-1. Um, you're the man to know. Harden is definitely back fully fit, not missing any games. Well, he's back, yeah. I don't know about fully fit, but he played the last couple of games and he's he's uh, declared good to go for the first game. So we'll just have to see how, how game one goes, I guess. Um, if the Celtics are going to take one, it's going to take a very poor shooting night, I think, from the Nets. But I'm going to be bold and call another sweep. Oh, Ben Jones has got the bruise out. There we go. Oh, Four. I love cleaning. Love it. <laughs> four ones and four zeros all, all around the board here. Cool. Restarted the timer and we are now on to our next matchup. So we have the 3-6 matchup where we have the Milwaukee Bucks against the Miami Heat. 
Um, it's in- tasty. Yeah, interesting one. Obviously, these games, by the way, all are played in front of fans. Every single team's got fans. Every single team's increased their attendance for fans as well for the playoffs. So home court does matter a little bit. So Bucks will be the home court advantage team. Uh, the Heat beat the Bucks 4-1 last year, Ben, in the bubble. I know Giannis got injured, didn't he? So that was a little bit of a factor. But still, before that, they were dominating, building that wall, which became famous. Uh, I think Middleton had to score some crazy numbers, like 20 points in the fourth quarter just to win them one game last year. Uh, what, are your, what are your initial thoughts on, on Bucks Heat? This is a much more even matchup than last season, I think. Um, although... I. You know, no one really expected the Heat to do what they did last season and play as well as they played last season going into the into the postseason run. But I feel like the Bucks have acquired better pieces this season. Their rotation isn't deep, which is fine for the playoffs. And I feel like they've found their identity more than they have done in the past two seasons where they've come top of the Eastern Conference this season than, than those previous seasons. With the addition of PJ Tucker, I think is a brilliant pickup for them. He's just going to be out on the floor. His experience, his, um, his shooting, it's, it's all going to come into play there. I think um, Middleton's going to have a bit of an easier time because I think Giannis is a better driver and passer now. I think he's got a bit more versatility to his game. He can. He's not afraid to step out and try to go at three anymore, which is great to see. Bobby Portis has been playing well. Um, Brook Lopez has been fantastic again. But obviously, for me, the X factor for this Milwaukee team is Drew Holiday. That addition, I think, will be a massive factor here in shutting down whoever is that scoring threat at the time on the Heat team, whether it's... Um, I don't know, Jimmy Butler or Goran Dragic or uh, maybe Tyler Hero steps back up in the playoffs. Maybe Kendrick Nunn's having... This Heat team is deep, but I feel like the Bucks might be more prepared this season to make those switches and shut down these hot threats earlier rather than letting it play out like they have been doing and just being completely scored on. Um, So it's not going to be as one-sided as last year that's for sure yeah I, I couldn't agree with you more to I actually funny enough I wrote down on my second bullet point I said Drew Holiday for me is the key to the matchup so I think it's easy to say that they obviously lost to the Heat last year quite badly um, and Holiday is the, the best player they've added to the roster so logically speaking he's key because you have to be better but I don't just think it's because he's the only player they've added aside from Peter Tucker I think it's because of how good he is and how well he's fitted into the offence um, he's, he's shooting well from three he's getting to the rim relatively well pick and roll game with Giannis has been pretty efficient uh, defensively though like you said he's just very very important he's probably going to get to guard Jimmy Butler which means that uh, Giannis won't have to guard Butler as much in the fourth quarter so I think overall their team defense could be better and their team offense could be better just with an extra ball handler. So I think the Bucks are in a better position than last year. However, we all know the Heat did start slow to the season, but the last three months they've been absolutely electric, to be honest. Yeah. Jimmy Butler playing all NBA. Butler's probably better than last year now. So that is still a worry just because of how good he is. We all know when he gets going, obviously, that he's just absolutely incredible. So I think 
there's a couple of key players, a couple of key factors. I think it'll be a hell of a series. Some of the defense that we'll see will be elite because of the two teams. Um, in terms of the, the series betting, the Bucks are favorites, as you'd expect. So a lot of people have been picking the Heat to win, but the Bucks are one to three favorites, so three pound on for one pound bet. Miami Heat are nine to four. So if any Heat fans fancy an upset, that's pretty good odds for a team that have already beat the Bucks a lot. They beat them a lot in the regular season as well. Um, which I do find interesting. But yeah, I agree with you. I think PJ Tucker's key. I think Holiday's key. Um, is there any specific Heat player before we kind of go on to predictions that you think that maybe the, the Bucks will target on the defensive end? Do you think that this would be a kind of switch Giannis onto Hero and Robinson as much as possible kind of decision? Yeah, definitely. Because Giannis can, can bully those guys so, so easily. Uh, and we know Robinson's going to be out there because he is... A, yeah. such a prolific three-point threat. They can't not have him on the on the floor because um, because Jimmy and, and Goran and are such good driving threats. They need to have people out there to help them space that floor. So it's going to be very unlikely either that they're going to have Tyler off the floor as well as Duncan Robinson. One of them is going to be on the floor and that is what they're going to do. It'd be interesting to see what schemes... Uh, Spo comes up with to combat that because obviously they'll be prepping for it. He's an intelligent coach. Whether they maybe play a bit more of a zone um, to try and, and help sort of stop the switching, perhaps because uh, they played a lot. They play zone, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to oh. see. Oh, there's the buzzer. The first one. You've been timed out. Bad. But yeah, I agree. It'd be interesting to see the That's defensive it. defensive schemes they, they go with. Uh, I'll kick us off first this time then. Uh, I have gone with I've gone with 4-2 to the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis gets that first round win. To be honest, I, it's not that much needed because he's won the first round before, but I think Heat are their bogey team. So I think Giannis gets one off his back there and I think they win 4-2. But I think it'll be a tight series and every game will be quite close. Yeah, I've actually matched you here. I've gone for two mm. bucks. I think uh, the Lopez Giannis combo to slow Adebayo down and um, the the rest of them to slow the kind of the Jimmy Butlers etc. down is enough to get them over the hump this year. Cool, but I do think this will be a very very exciting series. I can't wait for that one. Uh, cool. The timer is back on for our last matchup, Ben. And this is the New York Knickerbockers. This is the Atlanta Hawks. Two teams that a couple of years ago you laughed at saying that they were in a playoff series together. Uh, especially if you'd have said they were the four and the five seed. I just think that both franchises have had a, a hell of a turnaround for sure. But could a key in this series be maybe that neither team have been here very often? Uh, and that I guess both teams are quite evenly matched. In terms of the betting... They're both five to six, which you don't see very often. They are the same odds to both win, so the bookies can't call this one either. I think they think it's going to be be very tight. Uh, in terms of statistics, right, the, the Atlanta Hawks are top five in the NBA for offensive rating, and the Knicks are the top five in defensive rating. <laughs> the Knicks are bottom five in offensive rating, and the Hawks are bottom five in defensive rating. So this is a true offense versus defensive matchup. Give me your thoughts. What do you think is going to go down and who's kind of important for this series to, to go for one way or the other? It is an odd one to be looking at, isn't it? Uh, it could be sort of up to seven of the most entertaining games we've ever seen or up to seven of the worst games <laughs> we have ever seen in the playoffs. This yeah. could literally go 
either way on the spectrum there. Um, the Hawks started real rough, if I'm casting my mind back to the beginning yeah. of the season. And because I, I had them up around this fifth spot in our predictions. I don't know if you remember. I think you had them fourth or fifth, didn't you? Yeah, because I, I, I was real high on them because I thought the additions they had made were just so fantastic. And then they really shot me in the foot at the beginning of the season. But it has come to fruition. I think they kind of settled into their style and the way that they're going to play. Uh, everybody knows their role. I think it's been it's a lot clearer who's there to do what job um, and when to kind of just give the ball to the shooters and let them shoot. Because um, I'm not talking about just Trey Young. Now that they've got... Um, Gallinari can hit a couple and Bogdanovich uh, has been playing incredible of late. And they've even got Lou Williams to come off and dance around a bit and play some minutes if they need him to. I don't think he will play that many, but it's always a great option off the bench, isn't it? He'll be getting chicken wings, won't he? Yeah, <laughs> he'd be too busy getting some wings. Getting, getting uh, the wings in. But you cannot count out Julius Randle and Derek Rose with this incredible offense all manifested from Tibbs's head. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I do you know what? If I'm honest, I've as much as I've been following Julius Randall this season, just keeping up with everything he's doing, is, is, and it's incredible. I've kind of slept on the Knicks this year, I haven't watched that much just out of habit. I think they've been so terrible the past 100 10, years, 20 years. Yeah, I've not ever really tuned in since like Camelo was having his prime time there. Um, Mello. So it'll be interesting to see some more Knicks ball. Uh, um, I mean, you all have an insight on the Knicks here. Take it away. Yeah, you'll love watching Randall. You, you, you'll enjoy watching him uh, bully people, I think, for, for sure. But like you said, it's basically RJ Barrett. It's Derek Rose. It's Julius Randall. Uh, and that's your offense. The rest is are all there for defense. The rest are there to kind of work hard, to hustle, to know the system, know Tibbs' system, like the Taj Gibsons of the world. They're just there to do their job, really. Um, it'd be interesting to see what the refs are like. Tibbs puts lots of pressure on the refs. Uh, playoff basketball is different for the refs, but Trey Young gets a lot of those James Harden calls, Ben, that we didn't used to like back in the day. Those flops, those kind of run to the rim, stop, let someone touch your back, throw the ball in the air, two shots. Um, he gets a lot of those, and I think Tibbs will put a lot of pressure on them. And he'll have a defensive scheme, and I think Tibbs will either have a scheme to say, right, Trey Young can have as many shots as he wants but we're not letting him run the game and distribute to others to get the whole team involved. Or he'll say, right, we're going to stop Trey Young and he's not going to win this game or this series. I think he'll do one or the other. And I think it'd be interesting to see in game one what, what it goes with. But this is truly, like I said, defense versus offense. In terms of the season series, though, Ben, this is very similar to the other series we spoke about earlier. The Knicks have actually won all three. Um, and one, one of them wow. was in over... Yeah, one of them was in overtime, but they've scored 137 in the overtime game, 123 and 113 against the Hawks. And the Knicks don't score loads of points. So what does that tell you? The Hawks' defense is terrible. <laughs> and the Hawks' <laughs> defense is terrible on Julius Randle. He scored 47, 43 and 28 against this team. And my point, my worry for them is who's going to guard him? I think Collins will try and guard him, but Collins is very athletic. But he's very slim, isn't he? He's very slender. I think he weighs 40 pounds less than Randall. I think Randall is a bit of a bully. 
So I think, to be honest, that in every game, Julius Randle will score a lot of points. And I think it's Will Trey Young, Bogdanovic, like you said, and the, and the kind of cast of, of good role players score as many as him. I think that will be the key for me. Because um, I just don't see anybody guarding, guarding him on the other end. And I think the other way around, I think that Tibbs will have loads of defenders that can guard Trey Young, or try to. Whereas I don't think the Hawks have got much to guard Randall. So I think we could see a higher scoring series than we think just because of how bad the Hawks are. And I think when the Hawks are bad defensively, they have to shoot a lot to, to win the game. But we'll see. Do you think John Collins can, can stop someone as big as Randall? For one or yeah, two games? Yeah, potentially. They've got Clint Capella there as well, who can move his feet fairly well. He's a big defensive presence, that's for sure. They're going to make it difficult for the Randall going inside. Um, he, he may have to take those slightly maybe get the switches onto the slightly bigger defenders pull them out before he makes a drive in um oh, your time's oh. come, time's gone on you yeah finish your point um i think they can make it tricky for randall but i still think he is gonna get 20 plus every game that's that's what i'm going with yeah i would agree so the series betting like i said is the same odds so the bookies are struggling to call it I've seen a lot of people picking the Hawks and a lot of people picking the Knicks. I think this is the hardest one for people to call. But Ben, I can't abandon the Knickerbockers after all these years. Little spot in the heart. MSG. Uh, it's going seven games. And we're going to get a game seven in Madison Square Garden in front of 20... I think it's... Twi- no, it's 13,000 Knicks fans will be in attendance for that game. I'm going to go with 4-3 to the Knicks and they're going to get their first playoff win in what feels like 20 years. I'm going to go... As I said, these games could potentially be polar opposites of each other, and that's the way I'm going to go. I'm going to go the full seven games, but in favour of the Hawks. Trey um, Young. Trae I Young. think Trey Young, the games the Knicks win, Trey Young is basically non-existent. And the games where the Hawks win, <laughs> Trey Young is 30-plus shooting from Top row in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> just going in. Hopefully, he visits a Madison Square Garden barbershop on the way to sort that hair down. We'll see. <laughs> just trash talking. But yeah, I think I'm pretty confident whoever wins is going seven. I could be wrong. You never know with the, the offense of the Knicks. But yeah, it'll be a hell of a series, and I'm looking forward to watching it. I think the arena is going to be super hyped for that. Cool. Well, that's our Eastern Conference predictions then. Um, let's move along to the West now. Restart the timer. First matchup we have. The one-seeded Jazz, who surprised everybody a little bit this season, uh, to be as good as they were. They're on pace for over 60 wins. Uh, versus the Warriors, in our opinion. We both picked the Warriors to win. Uh, again, for this one, we will do a little kind of bit at the end just to see if if we think it will change if the Grizzlies played in this matchup. But for me, you can't talk about the Warriors without writing down my first bullet point, which was that Steph Curry is the key. Um, I do think Wiggins will be important, because like you said, when he scores 20, does put the pressure off Steph. He doesn't need to score 50, if that makes sense. I know it's still ridiculous. He probably has to score 35, but it does take a bit of pressure off. But uh, what are your thoughts? Would you just agree that it's just Steph Curry all the way against a team that are the opposite of the Warriors with, with how many players they've got in their, their team that contribute? The Warriors have met their match with three-point shooting, except <laughs> it's not coming from one person. It's coming from every angle. The whole of Utah. <laughs> Yeah, basically the whole state is going to be shooting. Um, yeah, it's all on Steph. I mean, 
Draymond and, and those other guys that have been the younger guys that have been playing super super well defensively inside and, and bringing the energy are going to be making it tough for for the people like you really go bears and your Joe Ingles and those kind of guys and and even Spider himself uh, for his big drives inside which he loves to do he's stupidly athletic I can't, I think. People kind of forget how athletic he actually is. Uh, he can really get up when he wants to. But um, is is he going to be fit enough? That's the problem. Yeah, he hasn't played since start of April due to that ankle injury. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he's going to play in game one. So he's going to train before, and he's going to pl- try and play in game one. So, but yeah, not a lot of confidence. We've seen what LeBron was like in the first few games before he had to take another three days off. We'd, Ankle injuries are tough, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. And I think this Utah team, even though you know they've had a lot of their first kind of seven rotation guys out of injury late in the season, they've been playing reasonably well. But it does worry me going into a playoff series where teams have had time to study you and stuff and will pick up that, oh, so-and-so had a leg injury apparently, so we're going to target driving right on him so he can't. he's going to be slower eventually throughout it'll tire, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and the Warriors are an intelligent team and they will pick out things like that. They will find these small weaknesses, these small advantages that they can use to try and get around these players or get players in foul trouble because they're moving a bit slower or um, catch them off the dribble for those crazy three-point shots. Um, the Warriors are going to make this tricky, but... It's the depth of Utah that could be a game changer against this Warrior team because we know how lethal basically every single member of this team has been this season. Um, do you think the depth will play a factor, or do you think classic playoffs the rotation will shorten quite a bit? I think they'll shorten it probably to nine, to be honest. But it's still deep. Do you know what I mean? Like I think the Warriors are pretty much playing an eight-man rotation now, and I think the Jazz will play nine. And their role players that are coming off the bench would probably all start for the Warriors. <laughs> so I think that they will play less minutes, some of the guys for the Jazz. But I think their team is still built around not just depth, but it's really good depth. Like their their players off the bench are really really good. Um, Ingles and Clarkson obviously will still come off the bench, still play a huge amount of minutes. And I think maybe a Royce O'Neal's minutes could diminish something like that. You know, someone who's not quite as offensively minded. But yeah, I still think depth is key. Um, I put the Jazz role players hitting their threes. I think it's important. I think the games that their role players don't hit their threes. And to be honest, Ingles, for me, is actually their star in terms of three-point shooting. So I'm not really counting him. But the Clarksons of the Worlds, I think if Mike Conley, I think the Royce O'Neills, players like that, I think if they hit their threes at a high clip, it'll be tough. Um, but I don't think they'll do it every game. It, there, there will be an odd shooting game or two. There always is in the playoffs, I think. But I think this Ben has been the one I've had the most trouble with. Um I can confirm I have had 4-2 and 4-1 to the Jazz written down. I've had 4-3 to the Warriors written down. And I, at the moment, I've got no score. I've got no written down. I, I'm going to go off feel because I think it could be that close. Um, in terms of the series betting, obviously, there's no odds on this, but the Jazz basically would be heavy favourites. Uh, the Warriors have actually beaten them in the season series 2-1. Um, but every single game, you'd be not surprised with Jazz games, has been high scoring. Uh, Warriors have scored 119, 110, and 131 against the Jazz, and the Jazz have scored 116, 119, 108 against the Warriors. So I think every game 
will be very, very high scoring. I think it'll be very, very important for, for both teams to get off to hot starts in each game. I don't think you can afford to fall down to 20 points by these teams because I just think that Steph Curry and all the Jazz will just shoot you out of the gym then if you get to down too much. So I think that could be an important factor. But for me, it's Steph Curry and it's Donovan Mitchell because I think if Mitchell's ankle, you know, when he comes back for that game one, if he's not right and he goes down or he drives in game two against Draymond, gets the and one, but then hurts his ankle again or has to guard Steph Curry on like a back cut, hurts his ankle. Do you know what I mean? Like the things that we don't know if they're going to happen or not. I just find them very important because I think they're going to need him. Um, So we're a little bit early, but I'm going to pass to you straight away. Prediction and series score. And then also actually tell me if the Grizzlies win, would you have a different prediction at all? Just just so that people know. Okay, so um, the the depth, the shooting, the consistency of the Jazz, um, they're taking it for me. I think they've got enough bodies to throw directly at Steph's face to make (laughs) him tire a tiny bit. Um, and make him maybe have a couple of off nights here and there. Um, the Jazz are taking this 4-2 in the and series. If it, and um, if it was the Grizzlies, would it be different or not? I think it would be either a 4-1 or a 4-0. Same okay, cool. winner. Yeah, I would go 4-0 uh, to the Jazz if they played the Grizzlies. I just think that they'd be too good. But Ben, they're not playing the Grizzlies in our imaginary scenario. <laughs> they're playing the Warriors. They're playing Steph Curry. It's Rudy Gobert in pick-and-roll action with Steph Curry. Something that Rudy Gobert goes to bed having nightmares about is when he plays Steph Curry. So I am going to go with 4-3 to the Golden State Warriors. Seven-game thriller. Ah. Steph Curry has a huge Game 7 to win it in Utah. Um, I'm just going to be rolling with my Curry boy, and I'm going to go to the Warriors. So there we go. The timer... Is now restarted, Ben, for the second versus seventh matchup. Back to the games that we actually know are going to happen. Uh, no crystal balls required. We've got the Suns versus the Lakers, two versus seven. I feel so sorry for Chris Paul getting to another into a two <laughs> seed again. Uh, just like when he got to the one seed with the Rockets and then he had to play the Warriors in round two. Now he's got to play the Lakers at LeBron in round one. So I think that's 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 just I, I just feel bad for him, mate. Like he doesn't quite get the respect he deserves and but his playoff success is not going to help just because every year he seems to get the, the best opponent, I think. Yeah, so this is the first time LeBron and Chris Paul have met in the playoffs uh, since they both entered the league. Uh, we, we know they're great friends. They're going to be... Um, <clears throat> the, the, yeah, the, the, they're not going to give any but each other any respect out there. They're, they're going to go hard at each other, I think, here. Yeah. Um, I don't know how healthy the Suns are going to be. I think they're going to need all of their role players in this matchup. They're going to need um, Cameron Johnson and Jake Crowder and DeAndre and back if possible. Um, they've had a bit of time off now. Hopefully they're looking a bit healthier. Um, Devin Booker, I think, could... Both Devin Booker and um, Chris Paul could have absolute field days. I feel potentially... Here, um, I, I've always said I feel like LeBron. Any team he's been on seems to match up and, and find it difficult to go against teams that have really good point guards. Um, and Chris Paul is one of the best point guards of all time. Um, and if you don't think that, I'll fight you. Um, he is incredible. What he's doing at his age in this league that is dominated by 
fast, small, quick, three-point shooting point guards. And he's like, nope. I'm just going to slow down. And I'll run, run it how I want it. And everyone's going to play at my pace. And everyone does. And it works. He's just phenomenal. Yeah, and I think he's going to make it so tricky for the Lakers. How do you see it going initially? Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to make it tricky. I think Caruso probably have to guard him and Schroeder guard him quite close. Um, but yeah, he's just a great player. I agree with everything you said there. I love Chris Paul. But I think AD for me was the player I had written down. I think Aiton's a good player, but he came to the league kind of... people. Well, people were worried about his defence, but a lot of people just actually said he'd probably more like to be a bust purely on how bad his defence was. In the NBA, his actual defence has been a lot better than college. Uh, Chris Ball's helped him out a lot this year with his defence, so it is better, but it's better, and then there's playing AD. So it's, it's a little bit different. And aside from him, I don't think they have many people. I think Crowder will try um, and rough AD up a bit if he plays the four, but I think the Lakers will, should play AD more minutes at the five, which we say every single time we do a Lakers podcast. Yep. Uh, and I think he would dominate any of their players, but including... Um, DeAndre Ayton so for me I agreed that Chris Paul would be key but I think AD on the other end would be just as key I, I think defensively as well the Suns do shoot a lot of threes but they also get to the rim a lot more they shoot a little bit more mid-range in some teams like with Chris Paul Mikel Bridges Devin Booker can get inside a little bit so I think AD guarding the rim and attacking DeAndre Ayton would be very very important uh, and Mikel Bridges and Mikel Bridges sorry I want to give a shout out to him for me underrated player should he's probably top five for uh, for, for most improved for me this year. He's been immense. Um, and the reason he's been immense is his defense is incredible. Apart from probably tie ball, he's, he's arguably the best young defender in the NBA. And he's probably going to have to guard LeBron James. And he'll probably yeah. lose a lot of, he'll probably lose a lot of battles to LeBron. But I think how well he does in some of the games will be key. You know, if he's getting absolutely tarnished by LeBron and have to kind of put Jay Crowder on him more often, I think that could say a lot. But if he has a good night where he kind of gets in around, stops him getting the ball a little bit more, does the kind of full court press that he can do sometimes, I think that'll be another key on the defensive end. So I kind of picked out Paul Bridges and AD really as key players. Um, but yeah, it's tough. It's actually the first time in NBA history. I know you said the first time that LeBron and Paul have played each other, but it's the first time in NBA history that the seventh seed has opened up as a favourite against the two seed, which does say a lot about how this season's kind of panned out with the injuries and stuff. I think you're probably looking at a, if everyone was healthy, you're probably looking at the the Suns and Lakers being a one like one and three in some order with how well the Suns played this year. But yeah, a two a two seven matchup is, is a little bit little bit harsh. But uh, what about Devin Booker, friend, mate? Um, great season again uh, in the bubble. Tremendous. Has that kind of history really of turning it on, doesn't he, in big games? Do you think that we could see some proper kind of Booker coming out moments? Because there's always one young star that even if they're already immense, they have the, that level in the playoffs. Like Jamal Murray last year, um, where they just take it to another notch. Do you think Booker could be a candidate for that? Yeah, why not? Why not do it against the Lakers? The, the team... You know, everyone knows he was a massive Kobe fan, and and Kobe was his idol. He trained with him. He did all sorts with him. That's who he he says he loves and he wants to emulate. And when better to have a Kobe moment than against the Lakers? Um, he he could be very dangerous here. That kind of slightly bigger two guard could cause some issues. The the Lakers have got bodies to throw at a point guard with Caruso and. Um, People like that. I mean, they could put Wes Matthews on him for a bit, and we've already said that 
Horton Tucker and Schroeder aren't great defensive guards, but Caldwell Pope maybe can step in and help out there. Um, you've, if you're the Lakers, you, you've got to kind of hope. Oh, Booker has a rubbish shooting performance <laughs> over the series. Yeah, any nights that Booker struggles to score efficiently um, and they have to turn to Chris Paul to do more of the scoring, I think it's probably a bad night for, for the Suns. I, I would agree. Uh, cool. Prediction time then, Ben. Uh, I'll kick us off. I did it last year. I think I predicted the Lakers to lose every round because I hate LeBron and I was just trying to wish it into existence. It didn't work. So I'm going to go 4-2 to the Lakers with a nice reverse jinx. But I do think there'll be some close games. I think two or three of these games will be last kind of two minute of the game situation. I think Chris Paul will probably win one. I think LeBron will probably win another two of those. Uh, but I think a couple of the games could also be blowouts. I think the Lakers could, could be a little bit too much for, for the Suns just in terms of experience. So I've gone 4-2 Lakers. I have actually matched you here. I've gone 4-2 Lakers. I think the Lakers lose the first game um, and then kind of get a hand on it, maybe go 3-1 up. Um let the Suns kind of, they kind of slip up the Suns and Booker have an incredible um, game there to, to bring it back to 3-2, but then the Lakers close it out. So, yeah, 4-2 Lakers. Perfect. Cool. Um, on to the next one then. So, the 3-6 matchup in the West, we have the Denver Nuggets, incredible season with a, probably an MVP in Jokic, uh, versus the Portland Trailblazers. Um, did very well, managed to hang on to the sixth seed in the end after the Lakers obviously chasing them. And this is an interesting matchup, Ben, because I think even without Jamal Murray, we've got a Nuggets offense that is lethal. We've got a Blazers offense that is lethal. And we've got a Nuggets and Blazers defense who are definitely not lethal. So I think, uh, I think I was talking to the Portland Trailblazer UK guys today and I just said that whatever score anybody thinks, I just don't can't see any games that aren't high scoring for both teams, I think. This could be one of the more fun series of the of the playoffs, just in terms of scoring. I think we could see some crazy high score lines. Uh, what do you see as the the key kind of components of the matchup, and what sort of players do you think are going to have the the obvious impact on on, on who wins? Yeah, the uh, the difference in offensive and defensive rating are quite interesting when you look at the numbers. Portland second defensively over the entire uh, second offensively over the entire season, but 29th out of all 30 teams defensively, whereas the uh, the Nuggets 7th offensively and 12th defensively. So better, but not the complete package. And obviously missing Jamal Murray, that is going to be huge for the Nuggets, uh, especially when it comes to guarding the, the guards that Portland have. That is the place where I feel like the Nuggets will struggle the most. They'll be fine with the the bigger players, with the the um, with your mellows and your nerds. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> and your Derek Jones juniors. People like that are going to be fine. You've got Aaron Gordon to throw at them. You've got Paul. Well, Paul's still not a great defender, but he's big at least. <laughs> yeah, Monte Morris, and they've got bodies they can use there. It's the I don't know. I, maybe Austin Rivers will get some minutes here, even though he's not an incredible defender either. But Will Barton might have to play against on a CJ or a Dame even. This guard combo is so lethal. It's can they... I, I don't think there's any way they can stop 
how lethal they are. It's can they capitalise on how bad they are defensively <laughs> from a guard position? Yeah, I think they'll score 55-plus combined most games, won't they, against you? But it's on the other end, isn't it? That's it, because I feel like equally the, the Blazers, although awful defensively, Derek Jones Jr. can kind of hang with Aaron Gordon. Um, Mello can slow down. Co- Covington as well. Yeah, can slow down Porter Jr. Um, is And Nurkic can slow down, believe it or not, this year's potential MVP in Jokic. No, he, he can't. <laughs> he's going to have to have a hell of a game or a hell of a series to keep the Nuggets flowing, I think. Um, but they've surprised me so far since Murray's gone down. They have played excellently, so I cannot count them out at this point in time. This has been a possibly m- my toughest series to call. Yeah, this is a tough one. It's a real head-scratcher. Yeah, and the, the, the betting odds aren't too dissimilar to that, really. So the, the Trailblazers, uh, sorry, the Nuggets are slight favourites, 8-11, to 11, and the Trailblazers are evens to win the series. So uh, ever so slightly favoured in the Nuggets. But I believe in America, uh, the Blazers opened up as favourites. <laughs> so it's like, even like the whole world, the geography-wise, has got a different opinion on this game. Uh, in terms of the season series, the, Nuggets, uh, the Blazers are winning 2-1. Uh, and whoever's won the series, uh, the game has actually scored 130 plus points in every one. So, wow, uh, it's high, it's high scoring sort of stuff. But uh, the question I had written down, which you kind of answered, so I put who guards Dame? And I do agree with you. I think Will Barton will spend some time on Dame. I think Austin Rivers will spend some time on Dame. I think Morris will just naturally spend some time on Dame. Um, and who guards Jokic though? That is going to be tough. If they got minutes with with Millsap in there and Porter. And he's bringing the ball up the court. You're really going to trust Nurkic to guard him from the top of the key. Um, it's tough to, to know what they're going to do there. I think since he's, all of his injuries, Nurkic has really declined defensively. And we know any minutes for Cantor's in, they're just going to absolutely kill him in pick and roll. Um, yep. Because you can't play Cantor in the playoffs, as the OKC fans learned many, many years ago. But yeah, I think Dame and Jokic, man, it's going to be so, so fun. The funny thing is, both teams do have other stars, like you say. Uh, Poor Junior, the, the coach today, and Malone has come out and basically said that he's our second scorer, he's our second offense, we're going to trust him, we're going to rely on him. So that's nice to see after he had a very impressive playoff series against the Clippers last year. Um, yeah. And we all know CJ is the second star to Dame, and he'll score, I guarantee, maybe one night he won't, but if this goes seven games, six games, I think McCollum will score 20-plus points for sure. That's just how lethal he can be. So, yeah, I, I'm struggling to call it as well. Um, I have actually changed this prediction 4-3 uh, both times in terms of I've changed it to both teams now. So, I obviously think it's going seven. Um, and there's the timer. Well, on that <laughs> note, which one are you settling with? Problem is, I picked a couple of series. So I picked what <laughs> I won't spoil anything, but I've picked... Uh, a couple of series with my heart, including the Warriors. And everyone knows I love Mello. So I want to pick with my heart, but I can't pick every series with my heart. So I'm going to go Nuggets win 4-3 and Jokic just proves again that he's the MVP with a couple of big games in, in games 6 and 7. Uh, yeah. But I could see it the other way as well, to be honest. Man. Uh, I'll, I'm going to go the opposite way again. Let's make it interesting. The Blazers come out 
um, the the guards are too too hard to handle. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. It really would not would not shock me at all. It's going to be a fun series, fun series. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're going to have the latest tip-offs, though, so good luck to anyone uh, yeah, sticking up for that one. And that leads us on to the finale. Um, some would say the best series, some would say. We have the Clippers versus, versus the Dirk Nowitzki German Dallas Mavericks. Um, a replay of last year's series, which we both... You picked the Clippers, I think, and I picked the Mavs, but we both cheered on the Mavs because we didn't like the Clippers. We didn't like yep. Montrose Harrell. We didn't like Morris. We didn't really like Pat Bev. Uh, didn't really like Paul George, to be honest. So it didn't go well for the podcast and the Clippers last year. But the Clippers did win. They won 4-2. Porzingis only played one and a half games in the end due to a, the worst technical decision that we'd ever seen, we said. Uh, technical foul, kind of ejection. Uh, and then he got injured, so he didn't play the rest. So that, that'll be important. So as we always talk about the Mavs, and maybe we'll talk about some other things, so it's not not too boring, but I did write down that Porzingis is the key. Uh, he is fully healthy. He's trained. He played the last couple of games, got a couple of 30-point nights in his last four games. So he's going into this series more healthy than any series. Um, but that's not saying a lot for Porzingis. Uh, is he purely the key, Ben, or are there other things we can look to to think of, right, how's this game going to go? Um, I think he is the biggest X factor. However, it's the rest of the Mavericks roster for me. Can Tim Hardaway continue to have this incredible run that he's been on, scoring in bunches? Um, can Josh Richardson find some form again, defensively and offensively? Um, it, yeah, it's the rest of the guys. Can they step up and, and help Luca out? Because they are going to throw both Kawhi and Paul George at Luca to slow him down. Uh, we know that if Porzingis is at his best, he is going to get what he wants, essentially. They've got Sergio Baca to try and stop him uh, and DeMarcus Cousins. But, you know, both have been either in and out of the league or injured or not had much game time. Or Cousins has looked fine of late, but... I don't know. He, he's gonna, he's yeah. not going to get out on Paul Zingas to stop him shooting. No, he's not. He'll probably body him down low. But it's funny how um, this Clippers team is almost exact similar to last year in terms of they still haven't played loads of minutes together. They've still had loads of injuries, loads of rest. The back has been in and out, like you said. Kawhi's still rested. PG's had time. Pat Bev's missed loads of time. Reggie Jackson's had to start loads of the season. It's like last year. The whole team haven't really played together that much again. Uh, yeah, and but however, I feel with Ty Lu in there and the movement of some personalities from this roster, I feel that they're in a better place than they were last season, which might come yeah. to fruition in a, in a positive way against uh, the Mavericks this season. And uh, you know, the, the Clippers have always got that secret weapon in Rajon Rondo to bring out playoff <laughs> you know, Rondo. Yeah, and anyone who, who hasn't followed Mavs history, um, Ben, you might know this yourself. Coach Rondo, uh, Coach Rondo, Coach Carlisle and Rajon Rondo hate each other. They fell out when Rondo played for the Mavs. Like, they actively like dislike each other. So they'll be jawing at each other as well. So that'll probably make playoff Rondo play better. Um, yep. 
And it also will make Coach Carlisle probably put Luca against him in some actions just because he wants to see Rondo get smoked. So, yeah, I actually think Rondo will be a bigger part of the series, which is sucks to say in 2021. But I do think that he might be a sneaky kind it's of X happen. factor. Yeah, I think him and Hardaway. It's definitely going to happen. Yeah, him and Hardaway are sneaky little X factors, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is going to be down to the role players because um, Luca's incredible. And even with the two of the best wing defenders in the leagues going against him, he's still going to perform. Porzingis, as we said, is still going to do what he wants inside. It's just how often he goes inside is is maybe an issue, perhaps, or not, however you see it. Um, and vice versa, I don't know if they got... The Mavericks have got enough to stop the Paul Georges and the Kawhi Leonard's. Um, it's what do the other people around them do and contribute that... I think ultimately win or lose a series for either one of these teams. Yeah, I think this is similar to the last series with some high scoring games, to be honest. There's some good, good offensive. And there's some good offensive coaching as well. Coach Carlisle, like we said last year, best offense in NBA history. The Clippers have got a top five offense in NBA history this year, just with how good the modern day shooting is. Um, and in terms of three points, Ben, the Clippers are the best three point point shooting team in the league and they're shooting the highest shoot three point shooting percentage as a team in all time in the NBA so if that carries on they're likely to win games but if you have cold streaks their offense can look quite bad so it'd be interesting to see how that looks in the playoffs um from a mouse point of view obviously I'm biased uh, Dwight Powell Brunson and Willie Cauley Stein all didn't go to the bubble last year due to injury slash uh birth of a child and worried about COVID so they're three players, plus Josh Richardson, that will all play heavy, heavy minutes for this team. So I'm hoping that they can make an impact. Uh, and the Clippers fans will be hoping that Abaka instead of Harrell will be key because Harrell will just get eaten alive by Luca. whereas Abaka is a very, very good defender. We all know that. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, I'm looking forward to, even if I wasn't a Mavs fan and a Luca fan, I think you'll see some special Luca moments in this series. I think that's a God-given just because of the way it panned out last year with the two teams and the fact that he is just Luca, isn't he? He hits those game winners, he hits those crazy shots. So I think it'll be fun. Yeah. And we're gonna uh, hit the we're gonna hit the timer. So I'm gonna let the timer play me. Yeah. Out. There we go. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that timer. Uh problem is I forget to change that and it'll be in my alarm for waking up and it'll scare yeah, the life not... out of me. So prediction time, last game. I'm not gonna pick a Mavs loss. I've been debating between four two Mavs, four three Mavs. Um, I said 4-2 Mavs last year. Didn't work out too well. Uh, so I'm going to go 4-3 Mavs. Luka Doncic wins a Game 7. My dream would be a buzzer beat at Game 7, but I'll just take a win in Game 7. Uh, but I think it'd be a hell of a series. Uh, there'd be a couple of cold nights, and I think, like you said, I agree, that the Mavs role players will be key, and I just think Tim Hardaway and Porzingis could, could, could have a hell of a series. So I'm going to go with the Mavs. I'm going to go 4-2 to the clips. I'm sticking with them. They did me well last year. Um, Kawhi's exuberant personality just wins me every single time. Um, yeah, I just can't get past his energy. You know, he, he's just so electric as a person. Big Kawhi energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the Clippers have got enough to, to sneak past 4 to here. Okie dokie. Well, there we go. I just disagree wholeheartedly. We have, I think, four games there we disagree on. Uh, I won't read them all out in terms of scores because we'll be here for another hour. Uh, but yeah, we have a couple of disagreements. We'll probably tweet them out 
uh, once the, the playoffs kind of kick off on Saturday. Yep. Uh, it's four games Saturday, four games Sunday. So, a hell of a weekend to look forward to. You've got two playing games before. Um, I just think it's going to be a hell of a playoffs, Ben. And we've got some great... We don't normally have this many good first round ties, I don't think. No, definitely not. Especially when you get into the the middle there. Um, it gets real tasty. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cool. So we'll tweet out our, our, our picks just so everybody remembers them. We'll get some polls out for, for people to give their kind of suggestions on who they think are going to win. We'll be podcasting twice a week, every week now throughout the playoffs. Even if one of us can't be here, we'll have a guest. But most of the time, it'll be both of us. Uh, and we're also going to get together to watch a couple of games, maybe a couple of live tweets, a couple of live streams, just to, to get things going. So it should be, should be a fun time, Ben. And uh, let's see who wins. Let's see what goes down. I'm looking forward to the playoffs. Yeah, cannot wait. Bring it on. Cool. We will speak to you all soon. Enjoy the weekend of basketball.